Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program, podcast, and our thank you gift, the book Tactics, when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael and the conclusion of his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 called Now Concerning Spiritual Gifts. Sometimes we get an extraordinary measure of faith, but it's just to hang in there through what seems like uh, a trial that would normally devastate us or we would fall like a house of cards. And the Spirit shows up in the moment to impart extraordinary faith so that we could stand. Could be someone who was facing a difficult situation of an onslaught or someone who maybe had to deal with uh, the possibility of being martyred for their faith. Look, every person who's ever died for Jesus was a normal, ordinary person with all the frailties and weaknesses just like you and me. But in that moment, they were given the faith to stand. Stephen demonstrates this kind of faith in Acts 6 and 7 against the religious leadership. Uh, Think of the apostles who have incredible faith in the middle of Jerusalem as they preach the gospel and the religious leadership are saying, stop it, and we're going we're gonna to do you in if you speak any more in this name. Well, these are the things that God does through his servants. God is a miracle-working God, and he will give you faith in the moment. If you're willing to just say, Lord, help me, he'll impart the faith that you need. Now, the other gift mentioned in verse 9 to another Gifts of healing. Notice, brothers and sisters, the plural there. They are gifts of healing by the one spirit. A lot of you are asking questions, does God still heal today? The answer is yes, because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, I have up at the pulpit the book that was written by Lee Strobel. It's called The Case for Miracles. And there's a chapter in the book entitled, When God Doesn't Heal. And here's the truth of the matter, that even though God does heal, and we would call that a miracle, which would make it something supernatural and special, there are many times when God doesn't heal. And here's what we're, where we need to settle as the body of Christ. What we need to do, brothers and sisters, is, and this is where I've come in my own personal walk with the Lord, I'm called in a lot of situations to come and pray for somebody. And here's what I do. I pray for their healing. I pray in the name of Jesus. I pray in faith, you know, with as much faith I can muster. And then what I do is I leave it before God who is sovereign. And God sovereignly, according to his will, sometimes in response to that prayer heals somebody. And sometimes he doesn't. And that's what makes him God. And if God decides to give a gift of healing in the moment, the person to which he imparts the gift will become a channel of the Spirit to impart healing. So just like the Spirit would give you a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge or a gift of faith, he can impart a gift of healing. And it is true that in that moment, you, if you get that gift in that moment, would become the channel by which the Spirit would heal that person sometimes through the laying on of hands or the anointing with oil or maybe even a spoken word. However God decides to do it, He does it. 
But I also want to mention that I do not believe, and I think there's evidence, as you can see the flow of the text, that that gift remains on an individual forever. If it did, I would highly urge people who believe that they have this gift to go to chalk right now. Because if you have that gift of healing, go to Chalk Hospital and please lay your hands on every child that's in that hospital. I do not believe that you have to hold a crusade to manifest this gift. However, I will say, if God wants to heal at a crusade, that's up to Him. But I don't think there needs to be necessarily a night that's scheduled because I think healing is on God's schedule. But I will qualify by saying, it does happen often in response to prayers of God's people. So there's been times I've been driving somewhere and I've prayed this, Lord, if you want to heal this person, then please impart the gift of healing right now in Jesus' name. But you are sovereign. And so I'll go and I'll lay hands on a person and I'll pray for them. And God is faithful and sometimes God raises somebody up and at other times I've prayed for somebody and that hasn't happened. Maybe God took them home. God is sovereign. God remains God even if he gives a gift of healing. Even if something's happened at one point and we try to repeat, you know, this is what we do sometimes. All right, what exactly did I pray in that one time that God healed that person? How did I pray it? And what emphasis did I put on the name of Jesus? Did I, did I say it loud? Was I more mellow? Look, let's stop with the formula stuff. You know, do you have to just... Do you have to say it, you know, like you're a Pentecostal preacher in the name of Jesus? You know, <laughs> look, look, God, if God wants to give you passion in the moment, praise the Lord. But I'm not sure that the emphasis on certain syllables is going to make it work. It's the work of the Spirit. And if he decides to heal, and I believe we should ask with all the fervency, and look, especially when it's someone we know, right? Or it's a situation we're going through, then we pray with a little bit more passion and fervency maybe than in other situations. And I have to tell you, there's been times when I've walked away from praying for somebody and I, I felt like, Lord, I am so sorry. That was a weak prayer. You know, I, I have felt that, and I'm sure you could relate to this. I have felt... Maybe that my faith wasn't what it should be, or I, I, I just felt weak in the moment. I don't know. But I don't think God is dependent on how I feel. I think if he wants to give the gift of healing, he'll give the gift of healing. I was reading Strobel's book, and there's a story. It's told by a scholar. His last name is Olson. And talking about gifts of healing and miracles, and uh, he was telling a story about uh, a little boy. They were driving on their way to church. He's a 10-year-old boy. Somehow the, the door of the car opened up and the little boy fell out of the car while the car was moving. And the family, can you imagine, fell out of the moving vehicle. So the family, you know, hysterically turned the car around and the boy was standing there in the middle of the street. And they said, are you all right? Are you all right? The little boy said, I'm fine. Didn't you see the man who caught me? Well, these, these are the kinds of things that, you know, they're, they're reported in certain circles, but we don't always hear about them. But God is a miracle-working God. Do you know that they're saying now a quarter to one-half of Muslims who are uh, 
coming to Jesus and trusting in Jesus are saying that they had a dream or vision about Jesus, a quarter to one half of Muslims converting to Christ are saying that they had a dream or a vision about Jesus. That's amazing. In the last days, there will be these visions and dreams, and it is happening. And it's amazing, and it's coming from very reputable sources. God does give gifts of healing, but sometimes He doesn't heal in rapid fire. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. He asked God to remove it. Jesus said, my grace is sufficient, 2 Corinthians 12, 7-10. In Philippians 2:27, Paul left Epaphroditus at the point of death, at death's door. He left him sick. If Paul always had the gift of healing, and Paul was used to heal people in Acts 19 and other places, he would have healed Epaphroditus. Tells you he probably prayed for him and God didn't heal him for whatever reason. In 1 Timothy 5.23, Paul tells Timothy to take a little wine for his frequent stomach ailments. If Paul had an ongoing gift of healing in him, why did he just not pray for Timothy? Why did he tell him to take some wine, medicinally speaking? Because God is sovereign. And even the Apostle Paul couldn't heal on demand. And in 2 Timothy 4.20, uh, he says, Erastus remained at Corinth, but Trophimus I left sick at Miletus, 2 Timothy 4.20. Paul obviously would have prayed for Trophimus, but he was still sick. And finally, in Galatians 4.13-15, Paul says, But you know that it was because of a bodily illness that I preached the gospel to you for the first time. And that which was a trial to you in my bodily condition... You did not despise or loathe, but you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself. Where then is that sense of blessing that you had? Galatians 4, 13 through 15. For I bear you witness that if possible, you would have plucked out your eyes and given them to me. If Paul had the gift of healing, why couldn't he just pray for himself and be healed? Why did he have apparently an eye problem? Because God sometimes allows us to work through physical ailments and the longer we live on the planet, we all know, no matter how much faith we have, that these bodies ain't going to last. Have you started to figure that one out yet? Oh, yes. Every time I bend over now, my body reminds me I am wearing down. I was doing yard work yesterday. You know, and I like to pick up the leaves and like make everything nice and tidy and clean. And every time I was bending over, I was making what I describe as Uncle Frank noises. Ooh, ooh. Some of them I let out a little longer just in case the neighbors could be sympathetic or a child might hear me in the house and want to come out and help me. And then there was a couple leaves that I looked at and I was like, nah. <laughs> It's not worth it. I'm not bending over again. I'm done. Anyway, so I'm looking forward to that new body. Verse 10. Now to another, the affecting of miracles. I just told you miracle stories about dreams and visions. The little boy. These are supernatural events, but they're not necessarily healings. Notice verse 10. To another is given, implied, the affecting, it's the word where we get energy, of miracles, dunamis. These are miracles outside of physical healing. Um, Jesus allowed Peter to walk on the water. We can think of uh, 
maybe miraculous interventions with demonic possession cases. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Our mission here at Walk in Truth is to equip you with the Word of God and to give you the tools to express your Christian faith. But how do you initiate conversations effortlessly? Walk in Truth and Pastor Michael Lance would like to offer you the 10th anniversary edition of Tactics, a game plan for discussing your Christian convictions by Greg Kokel. This is how to navigate a conversation to build a bridge from a conversation to get to spiritual truths and to get to the gospel. We are offering the book Tactics as a thank you when you give a donation of $20 or more to Walk in Truth. Visit walkintruth.com, click the donate button, or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or 844-48-TRUTH. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Maybe miraculous interventions with demonic possession cases. Uh, I told you a story not too long ago of one I was involved with. We're praying in the name of Jesus delivered a young man from demonic possession. That's a miracle. I take no credit for that. I was crying out to God like you wouldn't believe. Oh, Lord. And at one point in that prayer, I said, Lord, I know you're here. And the only one that can deal with this is you. And that young man was delivered. Well, God gives to another prophecy. This is going to be the subject of 1 Corinthians 14, so I'll just touch on this. It could be the direct Word of God explained. It also could have an application of something directly to someone's life, not necessarily a Bible verse. We'll talk about this more as we go on. To another, notice the distinguishing of spirits or discerning of spirits. This would be a sense that something's wrong, that something's a lie. Uh, have you ever entered into an area and just had this weird sense that there's something wrong? There's something dark here. Uh, this could be the discerning of spirits since uh, in the last days there will be doctrines of demons. It could be that you're hearing teaching and you're going, that's, that's just off, that's wrong. I love to tell the story of an old black man who got saved. He was a older gentleman, I think he was in his 80s, and he was being discipled by a pastor. He walked out of the church, and he walked onto the street, and a Jehovah's Witness was there preaching and handing out literature. So I think it was old Fred, and so he went out there, and a group began to assemble, and the Jehovah's Witness is preaching his stuff, and the pastor walked out and said, oh, my new little sheep, he's only a new Christian, but he decided to stay back and just see what Fred would think of the Jehovah's Witness. And so it disbanded, and the pastor went up to old Fred and said, Hey, Fred, what would you think of what that guy had to say? And Fred said, Well, pastor, I, I don't like to know too much about such things. But when he was preaching, something deep down inside me kept saying, He's a liar! He's a liar! He's a liar! <laughs> there you go. That's the discerning of spirits. <laughs> In 2 Thessalonians 2.9, Paul warns that the lawless one will come according to the energia, the working of Satan, and will work miracles, 2 Thessalonians 2.9. Perhaps this is the understanding that something could look miraculous, but discernment says it's not of God. It's a lie. Since the Holy Spirit lives in you, and he's the spirit of truth 
it would seem that he would help you understand what is true and what's a lie. And of course, that's always comparing it to the Word of God. Discern, discernment of spirits, diakrisis in Greek, means to estimate, to judge, to be able to discriminate between light and darkness, true and false. The Spirit explicitly says that in latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits, 1 Timothy 4.1, and doctrines of demons. And so this gift is imparted probably in the moment to be able to discern such things. And then finally, and this is last on the list probably because the Corinthians were elevating this and saying unless you had this gift, you weren't spiritual. God gives various kinds of tongues or languages and to another, the interpretation of tongues. Now, I'm going to tell another Calvary Chapel story because I think it's worth you hearing if you haven't heard this before. Pastor Chuck wrote a book called Living Water, and he was telling about the early days of the Calvary Chapel movement, and they had a meeting one evening. A woman was invited by a friend. She was a non-Christian, invited to church, and she was having marriage issues, and so her friend said, why don't you come to church with me, and uh, you can talk to the pastor after, and maybe he can help with your marriage. And so the service went on, and um, the gift of language or tongues was manifested in, the, I think it was an evening uh, Bible study. And so um, someone spoke a language, and somebody else interpreted it. And so the woman came up to Pastor Chuck following the meeting and said, uh, I'm here, and, and friend invited me, and I want to talk about my marriage. But before we talk about my marriage, I want you to explain to me what just happened there. And what happened was Pastor Chuck's wife spoke in French, aristocratic French, no less, and it was interpreted by another woman. And every time this happens, if there's an interpretation, it's to bring glory to God. It's speaking to God, not to man. So anyway, uh, she asked the question, and Pastor Chuck said, well, that's the biblical gift of tongues, and... I can tell you that my wife has never learned that language. I've been married to her for a long time. I know she's never learned that language. And the other lady doesn't know the language who interpreted it. But the Spirit gave the understanding. And the, here's what the woman said. She said, she said, I lived in France for five years. That woman spoke perfect aristocratic French. And that other woman perfectly interpreted what she said. And that woman who came to get help with her marriage became a Christian that night. Now, that's an experiential, subjective story I just told you, but that is how it can work. And I believe it's given in the moment, and God has a purpose behind it. Maybe it's to show an unbeliever the miraculous. But in 1 Corinthians 14, it seems like one of the primary uses is for prayer and praise in your private uh, time with God. I do know this has become very controversial. I know there's a whole wing of evangelicalism that says any manifestation of the gift of tongues is from the flesh or even potentially demonic. But friends, I see no evidence in the Bible as I go through these gifts. If the word of wisdom and word of knowledge are still operational, does Paul qualify the gift of tongues? No. Would I tell you it's been abused and faked and wrongly engaged in many contexts? Yes. Has that scared many people away from the genuine gift? Yes. But if it happens, it's supposed to manifest God 
for the common good to bring us together, not to divide us. And just in rapid fire, just so you can get a taste of where we'll head in 1 Corinthians 14. The gift of language, Paul encouraged it, 1 Corinthians 14, 5. It refers to some kind of language, 14, 21. It's spoken to God, 14, 2 and 28. You can go back and listen to this later, but I'll, I'll deal with this as we get into this chapter later. It's not to humans, 14, 2, 6 and 9. It's a, a language, but maybe not a normal human language. It's mysterious, 14, 15. Paul used it in private prayer and praise, 14, 18. For prayer, 14, 2, 14, and 28. For singing praises. And perhaps even for things sized too deep for words, Romans 8, 26. Now, quick story. So years ago, I'm a young pastor and I'm teaching through the book of Acts. And I'm wrestling with these gifts and if they're for today. And... Uh, I, I looked down, and on the front row, we had a visitor to the church. And so, you know, I'm, I'm about to deal with Acts 2 and the giving of the gift of tongues and so forth. And I sat down on the front pew after doing a few things and front chairs. And next to me, this woman begins to pray in a different language in my ear. And she's just praying, and I, I didn't really know what she was saying. The woman on the front row of our church was the woman in Pastor Chuck's book, Living Water, who had interpreted the French back in the day, and she was sitting in our church on the day that I was teaching Acts chapter 2. And I was praying, like, Lord, would you show me if this is legit? Because I know there's a lot of people who have had bad experiences and a lot of people who question this. And there she is praying in my ear in a language right before I went up to preach. And I was like, okay, here we go. <laughs> so... I think the Lord was saying, look, I do do this today, and it's beautiful when it's done biblically. And finally, one and the same Spirit works all these things, every gift we've touched on. What things? All the manifestations just mentioned. He distributes to each one individually, would you note it, just as He wills. He does it for His good and perfect will and His glory. You're listening to Now Concerning Spiritual Gifts, Part 6 on Walk in Truth. Hey, remember, it's our goal to build you up so you can reach out to your community with the love of Christ and the knowledge of the gospel. So if you're a monthly partner with Walk in Truth, then we're sending you Greg Kokel's book, Tactics, Building a Game Plan for Discussing Your Christian Convictions. Also, anyone who gives a one-time gift of $20 or becomes a monthly partner of $10 will receive the Tactics book as a thank you. Learn more when you click on the Donate button on walkintruth.com. Hey, thanks for your donation. Now, here's Pastor Michael. You know, two big themes come to mind concerning this little section that we've studied together in 1 Corinthians 12. One, spiritual gifts are meant to build up others. They're for the common good. Two, they were meant to bring us together. And three, they're for the glory of God. Now think about it for a second. Spiritual gifts have largely, at least in many settings, divided rather than united. And isn't it amazing how the enemy takes something that God meant for the common good to bring us together for unity, for his glory, and the enemy's gotten in there and brought division. 
Now, of course, we understand that in some contexts, these gifts are maybe both abused and maybe even mocked, if I could put it that way. But at the same time, God meant this to bring us together, folks. And we are one body. And these spiritual gifts are for the common good and for our unity. Oh, Lord, you know, what's on my heart right now is forgive us for the times that, we, that this has been a dividing point rather than a uniting point. We are one body. And, and this is important that we understand this. Well, tomorrow we have a message from Shane Lance. That's Pastor Shane, newly ordained. And I'm very proud of my oldest boy. Uh, he's now a pastor here in this fellowship, and he leads our our worship of uh, music. And uh, we're excited to hear from him tomorrow on the program. One body, many parts. I think you'll find him engaging, and uh, he's funny, too. And he's got great insight into the scripture. So tune in tomorrow as you listen to Walk in Truth. Hey, let somebody know about what you're listening to, what you've been benefiting from. Encourage them to listen in. Hey, we have a men's breakfast in Corona, two locations, 6 a.m. and 6.30 a.m. And you can find out more about those men's Bible studies when you download the Living Truth app in your app store. Look for the red logo with the pillars and check out one of those studies. Maybe you can plug in before you go to work and it would be great for you to grow in your most holy faith. We'll catch you next time on Walk in Truth. God bless you. Tune in tomorrow for a teaching in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27 by Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance, and his message is called, One Body, Many Parts. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.